You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. The New Testament is in Greek. Um, so in Greek, the, the word for glory is doxa. Uh, doxa is the root for doxology. Doxology means praise words, literally, glory words, praise words. So when you sing hymns, um, those are doxologies. Um, there are two themes within, within doxa for the meaning of doxa. Um, doxa, one theme means splendor. So there are two or three meanings within that theme. Splendor, brightness, like the moon or the sun or the stars. Um, another theme is magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity. Another is majesty. You can see they are all linked. They are all linked. I mean, we all have an intuitive understanding of, of this, right? Um, when we get decked in jewelry, when you see somebody heavily decked in gold, there is glory. We say, you look good. What we're trying to say is, you know, you look glorious. We don't use that term, but that's what we mean. Um, when you see guys at weddings with very, very nice agbada and fila, we call them Yoruba demons. What we're trying to say is actually, we appreciate that you look good. We appreciate that you are radiating some sort of glory. But we've heard bad things about you. So there are no Yoruba demons here, just Yoruba angels. Um, we understand glory. We find glory attractive. We find it attractive. In fact, Vine, Vine is, a, is, a, is, a, is one of um, the leading authorities on, on, on kind of Greek uh, translation defines glory as, or doxa, as, the, as an appearance commanding respect. So when you see a king, full regalia, that, that commanding presence, that's glory. Um, when you see military people in the full ceremonial outfit, that's, a, that's, that's glory. A name can have glory. So to the ladies in the house, if you're single and a guy is trying to talk to you and you're not listening... And he tells you his surname is Dangote. Something changes, right? And that, no, seriously, something changes. That's because that name has a glory associated with it, right? So a name can have glory. So just to, just to kind of bring this into the scriptural context, um, the Bible says man sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Another translation says, man has sinned and forfeited the glory of God. And one uh, school of thought is that actually when God created man, and we know when God created man, he had glory. He had glory. And it is quite likely that that glory was perceptible by all the creatures around. So you can imagine man this high, and you can imagine a dinosaur that high, but man had a commanding presence. He had a glory about him, which God imbued him with. And when he sinned, he fell short, i.e. he forfeited um, that, that glory. He forfeited it. It went, and he became the man, fallen man. So when we say fall, we're actually talking about fall from a state, a more glorious state. Um, and this is, this, is, this is quite powerful and important for me because... One way, you know, oftentimes we talk about sin 
and we talk about hating sin and God hating sin, but we often see sin as this doing, when you do something bad, you have sinned, which is true. But this sin is actually an inglorious, you can think about sin as the opposite of glory. It, it, it's, it's like glory is associated with God's righteousness. Sin and shame are associated. They're opposites. So one of the prayers I, 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 I prayed, and I, I'll suggest it to you too, is for me to see sin the way God sees it, offensive, beneath me, as opposed to just a don't do this or do that. Uh, and that's another, another kind of important um, angle on glory. So man for the glory of God. Um, a second definition of doxa is a good opinion. It's a good opinion regarding someone resulting in praise, honor, and glory. So um, someone read the scripture earlier that said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And if you, can, if you take that definition, what that scripture is saying is that they may have a good opinion of your Father in heaven, and that will result in praise, in honor, and in glory. Um, so when we, say, when we say to God in, in, in praise, in worship, and we say, you are glorious, we're saying, I perceive your glory. But when we say we glorify you, what we are saying is we ascribe glory to you. What we're saying is we have a good opinion of you resulting in praise, honor, and glory. And the implication of that, for example, one implication, one important implication is you take God's word seriously. So if you have a good opinion of someone, what they say means a lot to you versus if you don't have a good opinion of them. That's another and just to wrap up, um, the Hebrew for glory is kavod or kabod. If you can remember this, uh, Eli's grandson's name was Ichabod. I know glory. Um, the root for kabod actually means heavy or weighty. It is the term you apply for gold, for silver, for weighty um, kind of metals. And actually, the first use of the word glory in scripture is in, you can look at this up, Genesis 31.1 and Genesis 13.2. One is kavad and one is kabod. And they both refer to wealth. So the definition of kavod is glory, honor, abundance, riches, dignity, and splendor. So you can see there's a link between the magnificence, the splendor of glory, the good opinion, that you have when someone is glorious in your eyes, and wealth or riches. And those, all those are, are, are caught up in the, in, the, in the word glory. Finally, Shekinah glory. The word Shekinah doesn't occur in scripture. We use it. It's common in Christendom. It's one of those words common in Christendom, but does not occur in scripture. It's a rabbinical term, which means abiding or dwelling. Um, so it's used to define the dwelling presence of God or the presence, the glory of God as abiding with us. God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and celebrate God. Let's thank Tony. 
Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Hi. Um, my voice sounds funny. I know. <laughs> um, you can just think that I've been praying for a long time. <laughs> and that's why. But I had a cold. But just bear with me. I'm going to have to preach for short. I don't know how long it will last, my voice. But so it's a short message today. Um, <laughs> God will forgive you. <laughs> okay. But... Um, I don't even know if I can sing with this voice, but hey, <laughs> we'll try. So I've asked, and we thank you very much, Tolu, uh, for, what, for sharing. And, and I've said every so often, someone will come up before I preach and just take one word, a word we use in church a lot. And today was the word glory. Um, next week, Nenez very happily volunteered to tell us about anointing. Because you know we talk about anointing a lot. So Nene is uh, a very anointed woman, and she said, she will deal with it in five minutes. Five minutes. Just, <laughs> just so that when we use those words, we use them from a place of understanding. So I hope you know what glory is now. Somehow, okay. Um, Tolu, Tolu is very intellectual, and when he uses this fact, as he was explaining, I was asking the other Tolu that these words he's using are even more complex than the one we're trying to explain. He used one rabbin, rabbinical. I was like, what is that? Um, we were at a leader's meeting once, and I think Tolu said something, something was nebulous. <laughs> and there were two reactions. There were people who just nod as if they know what that means. And people who just like, why? What's all this? <laughs> But, yeah, um, help me look at the person next to you and just smile. You know, the smile that comes from your heart. It's Sunday morning. If you cannot smile on Sunday, there's a problem. Okay? Smile. In fact, let's push it a bit. Just tell them, I love you. Uh-huh. Let's push it. Let's push it. Tell them, I love you. For no reason. <laughs> you don't have to stretch to the third row. That's personal agenda. Look for the person next to you. <laughs> Just tell them, I love you. I insist that I love you. Okay? All right. Um, for anyone who's your first time here at LifePoint, thank you for coming. Um, I don't know how someone invited you, dragged you to church, threatened you, or you just stumbled on LifePoint. We thank you for coming. We're a bunch of people who love God from the bottom of our hearts. And we... Um, an outpost from the Elevation Church. Elevation Church is two roundabouts down the road. But we have, um, we believe that God has a work to do here. Um, so we thank you for coming. Someone will welcome you further in the service. And, but after church, I'll be at the welcome just to also meet you if I can. Um, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit since December. This morning I was asking myself, um, how do we, you know, how do we know that this is all worth it? And for me, it's the prayer that someone in this season will give the Holy Spirit um, just to be more space in their lives. Um, last year, we talked about the Holy Spirit um, and the ministry of advocacy. I think it was last year. This year, spoke about um, last Sunday, I spoke about the ministry of comfort. Um, I think the Sunday before, I must have talked about the spirit, the ministry of counsel. And this is all different things that we see from Scripture. If you read John 14, 15, and 16, that we see from Scripture that the Holy Spirit is meant to do in the life of a believer. For me, 
I just want to ask us as a church, please, let this season not just go by, but let it be one where you actually get to know the Holy Spirit in a different dimension. So here at LifePoint, we're not keen on just being religious, right? We're actually keen on people having a relationship with God and not just come to church because it's what you should do on Sunday morning, but have Christianity that continues on Monday all the way to Saturday. Okay, so help me beg the person next to you and tell them the Holy Spirit is calling you. <laughs> yeah, I know they may snigger a bit, but just, I mean, if I tap them, then the Holy Spirit needs your attention. Okay, good. So this morning, one of the things we want to look at is the Holy Spirit, because the Bible calls him the Spirit of Truth. Um, in fact, there's this popular Christian verse where it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I know my British Bini accent is not coming out well with this cold, but just, just relax, relax. And I've always said, oh yes, so the truth is important in making us free. And we all deserve to be free. Everyone. God wants us to be free. Um, John 8, when you read down where that scripture is, from verse 32, Jesus says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? 34, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. But the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. The son, therefore, shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. The whole concept of truth is one that, um, for lack of a better word, is one that's a bit nebulous. It's a bit hard to... It's a bit hard to Nebulous just means difficult to grasp, right? So you can use it on Monday. You can just be in the office and you say, oh, this thing is a bit nebulous. So you just, 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 you know, just put that down for Monday use. Okay? Um, so for example, if I say to us in church, um, could you please show your neighbor where north is? Where, just point to your neighbor and show them where north is. Let's, let's try that exercise very quickly. Where's the north? Is in front. <laughs> no, but serious. Some people are up, back. No, but where is not? Sorry? Up, not. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> because the thing is that we, we all, without a compass, have different perceptions of where not is. My default is to believe that not is in front of me anywhere. But that's not totally true. It's not consistently true. In fact, there's a concept of true north. So if, I think most of our phones will have a compass that has a magnetic thing that can even show us. But people who fly planes will tell you that even that is not true north because there's some scientific thing where even the magnets and compass do not actually tell north consistently. Um, if you're in a plane and somewhere in the flight, the pilot just gets up and says, guys, I know we're going to London, but I just, I don't like the way this compass is reading. <laughs> I, 
I just want to determine where we are going. <laughs> you know, I mean, the default thing to do there is just to start praying, make peace, make sure you repent of all your sins. <laughs> For some of us, we say, let me come down here. It's my, <laughs> I can find my way. But, but, even, and, but even the concept of north is a human is a human um, um, definition, as it were. You know, because they then, you know, if you talk to philosophers, and I'm trying to make this not complex, if you talk to philosophers, they then say, okay, so what is north of north, right? So because the north as we know it is defined by human beings. So we took one part of the earth and said, this is the north. So within the ambits of human knowledge, there are things which are sometimes, which are factually true, and other things which are wrong. But it's within human knowledge, and it, it's, it refers to some point of reference or the other. For example, um, for example, Sunday is not a work day, true or false? True, right? Sunday is not a work day. But if we were in Dubai, Sunday is a work day. Because, and Sunday is not a work day in Lagos. Well, for some, most people, Sunday is not a work day in Lagos. So there's a point of reference that truth assumes. So when Jesus says, the truth shall set you free, what does he refer to? When he speaks about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, what does he refer to? Um, I found a definition during the week. I'll just read it out. There's a guy called John Macarthur. It says, here's a simple definition drawn from what the Bible teaches. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. And so because the definition of truth flows from God, truth is theological. So truth comes from God. And I'll tell you why this is important. And we'll come to this place of why the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. I think that's in John chapter 14 or 15 where Jesus says, when the Spirit of Truth is come, he will lead you into all truth. So um, this year at Elevation Church, which we're part of, um, one of the things that Pastor Godman has said, in fact, the summary of the word, is that we will be steady and steadfast. And I know as thinking about it, and I realized that that almost begins to infer that we will be in a time or place where there will be a lot of things that would easily shift people. Okay? And I remember saying on the first Sunday of the year that one response to when you hear prophecies to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, you know, blow it up, explain it to you. Because I know when you say steady and steadfast, you're always steady and steadfast, you know. But I think you know, one of the things that came to my heart as I thought about it was just that there will be a lot of things which will attempt to dissuade Christians and make us lose our footing. So the truth is what God says. It's God's view on the matter. It's that which proceeds from God. So in fact, if, and we don't know that, we don't know, but if where we call not as human beings, and we have used that not for, for a long time, if that is not where God says it is not, then it is false. 
He says, let every man be a liar and let you alone be true. God is not a man that he should lie. Um, I found that the more Christians have respect for the truth, the more Christians fill their lives with the truth. In fact, the more countries fill their lives with the truth, the more they tend towards how God designed for things to operate. In fact, you find that even societies that build the way they run on what you would call Judeo-Christian principles tend to function better than those who don't. I mean, if you look at the American Declaration of Independence, it's very, it's very um, rooted in the truth. You know, they talk about self-evident truths. They talk about the sanctity of human life and all that. So the Holy Spirit, one of the things that God has asked him to do is to lead you and I into the truth. Um, why? This is very important. Why? 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 Why is this? Okay, yes, I know God has an opinion. He has a word. He has a definition of things. He is the truth. But why is it important? So I, I said earlier how there'll be things which will move people in our generation, especially in this time. In fact, um, and I say this, you know, carefully, there is deliberate agenda to sway Christians from the essence of their faith. It's that fact. If you read through scripture, uh, Matthew 24 says, 24, 24 says, and they've gone out, they will go out many, or they shall arise, false Christ, false prophets. It says in so much that they will be able to deceive the very elect. Okay? First um, John 4 says, beloved, First John 4, 1 to 3, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of the Antichrist, whereof you have heard it shall come, and even now already is in the world. I know when you hear of the Antichrists, you internally you just shudder a bit. He was like, why is this Christianity so complex? Which one is Antichrist again? I just want to serve God, pay my tithe, go to church. But, um, and then you think of the Antichrist like the beasts with 666 and all those things you had when you were younger. But there is more an agenda about the way people think and the things that they believe than horns and inscribing numbers on our heads. In 2 Corinthians 4, Verse 4, Apostle Paul speaks about the God of this world that has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So the truth is important because it allows us withstand deception. And deception is rife in our world today. Very important. And I'm going to come to how the Holy Spirit, as the spirit of truth, seeks to push us into truth. Deception is rife in our world today. Okay? I mean, you were all here when Shalalawal shared his God experience about how he told a girl that he was going to Russia. <laughs> Why? Would, but he's now repented. <laughs> he's a child of God now. I can speak for him. Okay? 
Um, and he's still single now. <laughs> he's still single. But my point is, deception is rife. Even till yesterday, I still got a text message from some person somewhere telling me that CBN had blocked my account. <laughs> and my man was like, how? How do people come up with? How do, how do I even have an account with CBN? Not, you know, but deception is rife in our world today. And truth helps us stay steady and steadfast. There's also the fact about tradition and the things that men have gotten used to and accepted. So that popularity and tradition do not necessarily denote the truth. Um, in John 4, 19, the woman, the Samaritan woman asked Jesus, look, where would we worship God? People say we should worship God on this mountain. Other people say we should worship God in Jerusalem. Um, I, when I hear Christians, us, talk about certain things, for example, about deliverance, I realize that there's a lot that comes out of what human beings have taught, what is popular, and what tradition has. I mean, there are things we teach as Christians in Africa that are not taught anywhere else in the world. Okay? I don't know if you've ever followed um, a mob before, ever been in a mob, a crowd. You know, it's a lot of activity. In fact, the easiest one is, I don't know if it ever happened to you, before everybody's driving, then you just see the people in front of you turning back. Everybody, one, two, three. If you're in Lagos, it's good, good, you know, it's good sense. Typically, you slow down. And then what happens is that you're trying not to you know, feel, look too worried. So you don't want to be asking them, why are we turning? But you slow down. Then you see five, six turning. Ah, let me just turn first, shall <laughs> There's no sense. There's no sense in... I was never in a hurry before. Why am I? <laughs> Let me just first turn. And then as you turn, the guy behind you turns. And after a while, everybody just turns. Then somebody now asks, why are we turning? We don't know, Sha. <laughs> they are turning. Um, this is important. <laughs> and you're laughing. If you see them turning, please turn. <laughs> if I've heard people say before that if they go out of their house in the morning and there's no traffic, that they get worried. They just see no cars, no cars, no cars. Ah, there's something. <laughs> but, but oftentimes our walk in life is like that. And that's why the truth is important. Because at some, dis- at some instances we have turned with the crowd. And the Holy Spirit, as the spirit of truth, helps to push us into all truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and verse 12 that there's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end thereof is death. Um, I must say that ignorance is oftentimes a prerequisite for for deception to thrive. The, it's, it's Hosea where the Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In those days, they used to tell you that what you don't know won't hurt you. And that is not true. It's totally untrue. And, and I'll just talk through how, so how does the spirit of truth, so the next time we read John 14, John 15, John 16, and we see the reference to the spirit of truth, how does he work? How does the Holy Spirit minister truth to us? In fact, um, and you know, this morning kept ringing in my heart, I'm beginning to see more and more of a difference between Christians who have respect to the truth 
who build their lives around the truth and those who do not. I'm beginning to see more and more of a difference. In fact, a friend of mine and I were talking this morning. And sometimes you see Christians end up in a particular way and you're wondering, but he was coming to church, but he was a Christian. Why? It's because they get it to a place where the truth is not in them. That's one of the reasons. Okay, so very quickly, how does the Holy Spirit minister truth to us? First thing is, uh, is in our study of the word. In John 17 and verse 17, it says, Sanctify us by the truth. Your word, O Lord, is truth. So in, t- in terms of knowing how does God, what is God's heart and mind, what is the truth beyond what men have said, the Bible, the scripture, I think it's in uh, Timothy where he says all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in fact, we should just read that. Second Timothy 3.16 um, says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in John 17, Jesus says, your word is truth. I find that there's a way that I can read through the Bible and it's almost like I'm just reading a novel. I don't know about you, but there's certain books of the Bible which I, I, sometimes when you start reading, you're like, how, how, what, you know, when you read some, if you read Daniel, you know, there's some that are like complex you know, and there's a, a story in Acts chapter 8 where Jesus, oh, the Holy Spirit tells Philip, join yourself to that chariot. He meets a guy that the Ethiopian eunuch is how we refer to him, and he's reading Isaiah. And Philip says to him, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch says to Philip, how can I understand except someone is teaching me? And then Philip went ahead to explain. And one thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is to bring us to a place where we understand the spirit of the word. In fact, the Bible says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. For a Christian, studying the word is not optional activity. It's the feeding of our human spirit and it provides material for the Holy Spirit to work on. Help me ask the person next to you, have you been reading your Bible? Ask them like you're their grandfather. <laughs> no, no, ask them. No, ask, no, tell them, say for real, have you been reading your Bible? Okay, ask them, do you, do you know the book of Zephaniah? Zephaniah. <laughs> no, but you know there are books, the things you hear, you're like Zephaniah. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it there, Zechariah, Zephaniah? <laughs> Even as I'm saying it, somebody's like, Zephaniah. <laughs> you can check in your spare times, okay? But the word is full of truth. It's full of God's views and God's mind. Anybody who tells you that they are a successful Christian without reading the Bible is lying to you. I was almost going to say they're doing like Shola, but I'm going to try and make sure we don't, we don't now start associating Shola with. Um, but, but 
it's, it's, in, fact, in fact, you know, it's amazing. And this has happened to me before. It's amazing how you can run a professional Christian life without Bible study. So it means you know the current songs. song. It's very good. It's very good. I like the way. Very spiritual. Once in a while, you go for good conferences. You hear, you know, you don't, you don't, you, you go for experience. Let that experience on night of worship. One, you choose one. You go to church. Sometimes. In fact, you might even join a unit when the spirit moves you. Um, you know when the pastor says, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. And then you give an offering. And then, if you are really moved, you pay your tithe. <laughs> but, but there's no depth. There is nothing inside. And so what happens is, you, you are empty of the truth. And so it's easy to be deceived. And this year, when we talk about being steady and steadfast, it is critical that the truth resides in you fully. <sighs> so, and this is important also for our generation because I see, I see the Holy Spirit you know, doing something. In fact, I was teasing a friend saying, I find a lot of people who are beginning to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of people are beginning to have dreams. It's interesting. There's no week that passes without somebody telling me, P.I., I had a dream about something. And, um, and uh, Pastor Tokwe preached a lovely message on the gifts of the Spirit on Thursday. I will complete that discussion this Thursday, also talking about the gifts of the Spirit. So if you are curious about the gifts of the Spirit, do come. But one thing that I know is compulsory for you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit properly is for the truth to reside in your heart in large measures. Because that is the first test of whatever revelation or leading that you get. Because the Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way that is inconsistent with the principles of Scripture. If you don't have Scripture, if you don't have the truth in your heart, it's hard for you to make sense of what revelation you get. So, first base, so spirit of truth. He leads us into all truth by illuminating the word of God to us. For him to do that, you must be reading the word. Um, this, so I wrote this in my note. It's something that I'm going to try to do, and I'm going to ask if there are people in church who can also do that this year. So this year, I want to pay as much, if not more, attention to the Word of God as I do to social media. Somebody said, Jesus. <laughs> no, because, and, and I love social media. I'm very active in my mind on social media. But I just realized that in terms of space that it takes of my mind, you know how you just wake up? I'm not saying that's what I do, okay? So you don't judge me. But you just wake up and you just, let me just quickly check what happened in, on Instagram over the night in case they were looking for me, you know? 
And before you know, it's done 10 minutes. Just quick, quick, quick. Oh, like, like, ah, ah, there's a story. Ref, you click, you click, you click. If you start on Instagram or Facebook, because there's a link to something. If you click Twitter, then I don't know the other ones that we do now. Okay, that's how it works. But, but this year, you know, and this is the commitment that I'm making, is that if I spend one hour on social media, I will spend one hour in the Word. At least one hour. Because I'm even a pastor, I should do more, she? Uh-huh. But, but it's a commitment that we need to do. And don't forget what I said. The truth, so it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So, you know, the Bible is not, and I know numerous times in my life that I study scripture and you know, when I was in, um, in, on campus, they used to have something called revs. When you say that brother has rev, it meant that when he explained the scripture to you, you would go back and say, ah, ah, it's not the same John 16 I was reading. I mean, I didn't really see. You know, there's some way, if you listen to people talk about the Bible, you're like, eh. You, you, you realize your level of illiteracy. That, ah, no, I'm, I'm a learner when it comes to this. But, it's not because, I mean, there are people who are gifted with, you know, who, who are blessed and who can interpret and just analyze scripture. But more than that is how the Holy Spirit opens up scripture to you. And I'm having to learn how to study scripture for more than just coming to preach in church. In fact, the things that I will share in church are typically the things that I have learned myself. Otherwise, I'm just a preacher. I'm not a Christian. So this year, I, and as I prepared for this, why it was, it was deep in my heart how there, for each of us sitting here today, we all have opinions about things. So the same way I said, where's north? Some people say it's up, behind, front. We also all have opinions about things. So we have opinions, for example, the easiest one, sex. We all have our opinions about sex. But I wonder if the truth about sex resides in our hearts. Somebody says, ah, I knew I shouldn't have come to church today. <laughs> yes, but, but this is important. In fact, maybe you should just ask the person, do you know the truth about sex? Just ask the person next to you. You know not <laughs> say, I'm looking at you. I can see you not asking the person. <laughs> No, and you know, it's funny that, you know, we're reluctant to ask that question in church, but the truth is, once you leave church now, you put on your radio, before you get home, the odds are that you will hear a song about sex. And there is such an assault on our hearts, the quantum of things which want to fill our hearts about sex, politics, all that. In fact, if you listen to, if you, if you were just, you had never lived in this world before, you just spent one day on the earth. You, and all you listened to was the radio and the TV. Your views about sex will be so warped. I mean, and I say this respectfully. In fact, I remember, oh, this, is a, this is a detour. But I remember how some time back, it occurred to me that, that God's view about sex is not necessarily about pleasure. 
Um, we're going to have a discussion later, but let me tell you what. The same way you don't eat just because of pleasure. You know, food is good. You like to eat good. But that's not why you eat. In fact, they tell you that if you just eat everything that is pleasurable to you, that you will be in bad shape, right? And so when you begin to think about God's heart about sex, it has, it's not about pleasure. The pleasure is there so that when you want to have children and you want to bond, because if sex was painful, then when people want to have children, like, oh, man, I need to have a child. <sighs> the last time was so painful. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to just take one for the team. I'll try. I'll try. And your friends are consoling. Oh, don't worry. Try tonight. <laughs> you come back the next morning. Say, that was sex. It was terrible, man. I hope she's pregnant. Like, I ain't going. I'm not doing this again, man. Ah! God, I suffered last night. Ah! So that's where the pleasure is. The pleasure, and you know, it's pleasure is that's where you can, because if it was painful, trust me, we won't be worrying about sex. <laughs> say, have children. Say, no, 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 no. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I know what I went through the last time. <laughs> and so when you then define sex by just the pleasure, and you know, <laughs> I'll say this because it's not everything that has a good beat that is the truth. So the fact that the song has a good beat doesn't mean that the content is truth. So sex, for example, is an example of an area where you need to receive truth. And so the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, wants to take the word of God and explain things to you. I know there's someone here who says, but I'm not a pastor. Why don't you even start with a book of the Bible, a whole book, just say this month, I want to read a book of the Bible. Because someone you know, you and I know, the Holy Spirit knows, you've not done that in a while. Don't take books like Jude, that only have one chapter. No, that's not what we, that's not what we mean. Look for books that are not too long, like First Corinthians, Okay, although First Corinthians is long, it has quite a number. But look for take Galatians or Philippians, and sit with it from start to finish. A lot of us have the apps that send us one verse a day, and you feel cool. <laughs> but that's the first place. Second place that the Spirit of Truth helps to push us into the truth, how He ministers truth to us, is out of um, is. is a, it's about creating and maintaining a reference to Jesus Christ. Creating and maintaining a reference to Jesus Christ. So you cannot become so spiritual or mature as a Christian that you lose sight of what happened on the cross. In 1 Corinthians 3, Apostle Paul says, there's no other foundation that can be laid except that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus, and let every man take heed how he builds. Last year, a, a thought a question was placed in my heart. I remember saying it in a message. Can you still see the cross? So year on year, our view of who Jesus is must widen. It must go beyond just being Jesus that the people spoke about. You must have, sorry to use church language, but you must have a personal revelation of who Jesus is. So when Jesus asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? You know, um, everybody says one thing or the other. And Peter says, you are the Christ. And he says, it is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, this flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Galatians 3, verse 1 to 3. I 
like this in the message translation. It says, you crazy Galatians. Did someone put a hex on you? A hex is like jazz. Okay? Did someone use jazz for you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it is obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. In John 16, Jesus says, look, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will tell you about me. And this is important because the world, sorry, I'm, I'm struggling with a cold. Sweetheart, if you have a handkerchief or something, it'd be great. Thank you. Um, this is important because the worldview that we have and the mindsets that we build must be built upon the revelation of who Jesus is. Thank you. God bless you. Did, did you use this handkerchief? Hallelujah. Um, the worldview that you have and the mindsets, you know, when you use Excel, for those of us who use Excel, there's something called a secular reference error. It's a very annoying thing. We use Excel, Nabi. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> Excel, Excel. There's something called a secular reference error. It's very annoying because when you see it, you know you've, you've done something that is wrong. And that is how what, so, so the, the concept is very simple. The foundation is Jesus, the revelation of who Jesus is. So if I ask you today, who is Jesus? Will you just tell me historic facts? Or will you, I mean, what else, would, what, what do you understand about who Jesus is? Because they're not dimensions, you know. Second uh, Corinthians 5, Paul says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we through that might become the righteousness of God. That is the reason why we say we are the righteousness of God, because of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, I think it's 8 or 9, he says that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ towards us, that though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty have become rich. That is another dimension. Another dimension says the, the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. His body was broken that ours might not be broken. I think it's in Colossians where the Bible says he became our peace. There were so many dimensions. And that is where you then build your faith upon. And so what the Spirit of Truth does, or the Holy Spirit does, is to constantly bring different dimensions of that understanding. I don't know how many of you live in it. So none of us here lives on a foundation. So you can't say, ah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to build a house. When you invite your friends over, they just see the foundation of the house. Say, where's the house? How can't you see it? This foundation is raft, raft foundation. It's cost me 10 million naira to do. I know, but, but where's the house? Ha! What are you talking about? This is foundation. You know how much it is to do foundation. And it's true because the price of doing a foundation in certain parts of Lagos is more than what it costs to build a whole house in my hometown. But yet, you will not take your friends to your foundation. Says, oh, this foundation is really good. In fact, let's decorate it. Let's, you're not going to do that. But that's, 
almost the way a number of us are with our faith. We built nothing upon that. But the Holy Spirit makes sure, makes sure that the revelation of Jesus is clear in all that we learn, in all that we do. The last thing, so the first thing is that he illuminates the word. And, you know, I'm hoping that there are people here who would make a renewed commitment early in the year, your energy is still up, to the word of God this year. In fact, there are people in, the, in this place who would look for specific subjects. There are things which you know you don't know the mind of God about. And you would say, this, I'm going to go and study this in Scripture. I have, I have never, no, I've never tried. The last thing is that the Holy Spirit makes us sensitive to the truth and able to discern deception. And this is, this is important. In Acts chapter 16, um, verse 17 to 18, the Bible speaks about um, the apostles had gone to a particular city. And the Bible says there was a girl who had a spirit of divination. And um, there were men who were making money of her. The Bible says that while well, something happened once she saw Paul and that she started following them around and shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. 18 says, and she did this for many days. It says, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the Spirit came out at that very hour. Um, so, so one, in my experience, every now and then I hear someone say something, teach something, do something. And I, I don't exactly have facts, even from scripture about it. But I feel a prompting in my heart. It doesn't settle. And so what I do is to go back to the word to check and see and understand. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are sons of God. So the Holy Spirit leaves a witness in our heart. And one of the things the Spirit of Truth will do for us is that he would, as we keep associating with him, he would leave a witness in your heart. So it doesn't matter whether the person speaks in a nice accent like my own, or person is funny, or speaks with great authority, but that the Holy Spirit will always leave a witness about the truth in your heart. Always leave a witness about the truth. And it's important even in, even in, even, even in everyday life. Even in everyday life. Oh, wow. Even in everyday life. Even in everyday life. So that when people are sending you text messages about your account in CBN, Okay, the account of CBN is obvious. Shola, you forgive me later. The account of CBN is obvious, but what about the guy that says I have a scholarship to run? He shows you text messages. And even his friends all come together and say, ah, we're taking you to the airport. Even at work, 
there's that witness of the Holy Spirit. And I, I've heard people say this over and over. Sometimes it happens. When someone's just talking to you, and you're just like, ah, the guy's lying. <laughs> I'm not talking about the, the, you know, some people have the gift of suspicion, where it's just, yeah, I suspect everything, and you suspect you're paranoid, you suspect everybody. No. But you know, uh, and sometimes someone comes to you and says, oh, I need help. Um, I need help. My, my, uh, my, wife, my wife is in the hospital, this, this, this. And I mean, and sometimes it shocks me. I've had you know, experience before. I just look, this guy's lying. I don't know that he's lying, but I know that this is not true. Some of us are about to make decisions about who to marry. I believe, and I don't say this lightly, marriage is, you, so you, a lot of us will make that married decision by faith because there's stuff you do not know. In fact, in this day and age, people go out of their way to make sure that there's stuff you don't know. But the Holy Spirit will minister truth. He will leave a witness. And don't ever, don't ever wave that witness aside. You may not have... So what I do when I have that kind of witness, I go and pray. Or I go and study scripture. And then things fall into place. Um, in conclusion, you know, we have like two, or th- two more discussions about the Holy Spirit to go. Jesus, when he's leaving, says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I mean, that, and that, for me, has been such, a, a, such an encouraging phrase the last couple of weeks. I will not leave you without strength, Without help, I would not leave you on your own. And he says the Holy Spirit will do this, that. You know, yes, last week we spoke about comfort. We spoke about the Holy Spirit, you know, giving us a perspective about things that are happening, replacing negative events or negative memories with positive ones. We spoke about the Holy Spirit showing us the path of love so that we can heal on the inside. This week, I just want to bring to someone's remember. See, the truth is not yours to decide. The truth is what God says it is. For some of us, um, in the, some of us are trying to be fashionable, some of us non-controversial, but the, in the discussion about things like same-sex marriage, homosexuality, it's not an issue about it's not, a, it's not something that's led, left to whether we're faddish or being cultural or being stiff. The truth of God's word is clear. So if you reject the truth, when that is a decision that you make, okay? <sighs> okay. Um, I'd like us to pray this morning. The prayer is very simple. It's, Lord, fill my heart with the truth. And I don't know where you are with God. But I want you to ask God. So this is a private prayer. It might not be one that you can speak to your friends about because they might not think it's cool. But I'd like you to ask God to fill your heart with the truth. That you will not believe a lie. That you will not operate out of deception or out of a lie. But you will not remain in ignorance because that then sets you up to be deceived. 
Paul says that you will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by people who stand and wait. So I'd like you to just ask God, Lord, fill me with the truth. And for someone is to make a commitment. For someone, you can say, Lord, I'm going to commit this month. I'm going to, you know, read a whole book of the Bible. I'm going to read Galatians. I'm going to read Philippians. And I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, will open my eyes. For someone, you're going to commit and say, look, I'm, I'm going to spend more time in the, in the Word than I'm spending on social media. And God help me. And God help me. Because we desire to know your heart. We desire to know your heart. The truth, Jesus says, will set you free. And so I don't know where you've been struggling. But Jesus speaks about the fact that the truth will set you free. So for someone, there might be a habit that you might even have come to terms with. To say, this is me. But just ask the Holy Spirit to minister truth to you. Because he's called the spirit of truth and truth the Bible says, will set us free. Father, we reach out to you with our hearts. We reach out to you with our hearts today. Come on, church. Just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Just pray. It's a time for you to... Don't pray for someone else. Pray for yourself, please. Just pray. Ask God to fill you with the truth. Ask him if there are places in which you have believed a lie. But in this week, in this season, the spirit of truth will replace that with truth. He will open your eyes. For someone you have disregarded a witness, and it's time to repent before God. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.